Hello, everyone. It is Jack, and this is the Dev90X podcast. It is the end of day five, and things are really heating up. I'm really starting to feel the squeeze of the daily podcasting schedule, and I'm finding it a little bit challenging to, to get some content together. I've got a little bit of anxiety in my belly about having content to talk about every day, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. Don't you worry. This podcast is going to be an everyday podcast. I want to start with a quirky little intro. So lately, I have discovered that I can get a full body tan because my bathroom here in Bali is open to the sky. At nighttime, I can take a shower, look up and see the sky and see the stars in the sky. And in the daytime, I've got so much space, I can, I can just lay around on my yoga mat naked and get a full body tan. How many people can say that they can tan in their bathroom? Not many, not many, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, <laughs> other than that, the project is going, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say well, uh, because I feel like I'm stuck again and I'm not sure which way to move. In yesterday's episode, I was talking about my success in getting my inference model up and running in the browser, and that's amazing. I'm able to generate key point data from images, and those key points represent um, a skeleton that can, can be overlaid over the image, or a skeleton that can be passed into a classifier model that can decide what the skeleton is doing. So my next job in Handstander is to build that classifier model. I can, there's so many different ways I can do this. I can train a classifier model just off images and use convolutional neural networks to, 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 to decide, to tell it what, what this image is, what these pixels are without really any, any more information than that. Or I can train a convolutional neural network on the inferences from the skeleton. So I just pass it in a bunch of skeletons and, and say this skeleton is labeled like this. This skeleton is labeled as handstand and, and this skeleton is not. And so I've started doing this process and I'm looking for the easiest, hackiest way forward to get this going. Yesterday I found that Google seems to have a new product I say seems to because I, I wasn't aware of it before yesterday and I wasn't aware of it a couple of months ago when I was doing a lot of my, my own research into the AI and computer vision side of things, which is a, what is being marketed as an end-to-end -end machine learning platform. And what that means is that it's going to take care of all the things. It's going to take care of storing my data. It's going to take care of the labeling and it's going to train my model on a cloud GPU, probably. Um, it's just going to, and it's going to spit out my trained model at the end. So I'm going to give this one a go. I started setting it up yesterday, and I have some data that I've experimentally harvested from Instagram. Instagram seems to be the best place to find images of people doing handstands. And so that's where I've gone to collect a small data repository of about 300 images of handstands. 
I'm not, I haven't cleaned the data. I haven't gone through and like cherry picked it. It's just a whole bunch of random people doing handstands in a whole variety of different scenarios, different environments, different uh, ang camera angles, different, um, you know, lighting conditions, different filters, photo filters as well. Instagram has a lot of different photo filters. And so I'm really not sure on how well this will generate a classifier but I'm going to give it a go and that's what I started doing and then yesterday I found out that in order to train a classifier you actually need at least two classifications you can't just give it like tell me <laughs> out of all of these images if you can figure out what a handstand looks like and that's it you need to say you need to say this is this is the data set for handstands and then what is not that is this is people standing up and so there's two classifications there. It's, it's figuring out standing up or handstand. And that kind of doesn't make sense either because just standing up and handstand is not all of the variety of postures that people are going to be doing when they're playing handstander. There's going to be standing up. There's going to be crouching down. There's going to be preparing to handstand with hands on the ground but feet still on the ground. There's going to be almost in a handstand as you're coming up to, be, to being in a handstand and then there's going to be being in a handstand. Then there's going to be falling out of a handstand as well. And ideally, the, the classifier can see that, that somebody is failing their handstand, so it's not a handstand anymore, or it's about to not be one. <laughs> um, that, that all is quite a bit. So I'm just going to start with standing up, which means I need to go and get some more data to train the model on what it looks like when somebody's just standing up. And maybe crouching down preparing to do a handstand so i might just go to instagram and look for people doing crow posture a yoga yoga pose as that is that is the the preparatory posture to doing a handstand so there will be three classifications in the end and this this method is is sort of just a test run to, to try out uh, vertex ai and to, to see what, hap what I can get at in the end. I, it'll, be, it'll, be an, it'll, it'll be a model that can generate a classification after being passed an image, but it won't, it won't have the, the skeleton thing, which is how to get a really accurate model, how to train a really accurate model using the skeleton inference from the posture detection model and then passing that on to the classifier. Um, and thinking a bit, bit more long term in terms of architecting this, this system to be the most efficient. I'm not sure if uh, I can get by with just having one CV model trained as a, as a vanilla convolutional neural network. So anyway, there's that. That's where I'm at. Um, I just got off the phone with my friend Tarush, and Tarush is, is a gun at machine learning, data, and AI, and cloud architecture. And so it was really great to talk to him about Handstander. He gave me the suggestion that I should be doing a cloud microservice where I'm running the inference from the data stream in the cloud, and that way I can take data streams from any device that can that have a camera that have a webcam or 
any phone running any software. It could be Android, it could be iPhone, iOS, it doesn't really matter. The only thing that I need to set up then would be a WebSocket that is streaming a downsampled video stream. So let's say that the device is taking in 720p or 1080p. It would downsample it to, I don't know, as whatever, whatever, as low as I can possibly go to, to keep the bandwidth as efficient as possible. Stream that to an open real-time WebSocket to a cloud server, maybe hosted in Amazon. He suggested Amazon using um, SageMaker and S3 buckets to store the, store the data so that I can start collecting data as well to then retrain the models in the future. Tarish is always thinking big and scalable and long-term. <laughs> so this is definitely already too hard and well out of my ability right now. But it was really interesting to, to talk to him about this because then I don't have to build the inference model to be specific to the hardware device that it's running on. So if, it's run, if, the, if the AI is running on device, like on your actual phone, on your iPhone or on your Android or in the browser, on your laptop, then it needs to be architected in a specific way. It needs to be built for that platform. So Apple, Apple has their, their version of machine learning models that they run. And if you start building in TensorFlow or PyTorch, then often you have to convert the model or translate the model into the version for Apple if you want to run it on device, on the actual device. Um, and same for Android, although I'm not sure, I'm not sure if Android can run. I think actually Android can run TensorFlow natively because TensorFlow is Google, Android is Google. That would make sense. So yeah, and PyTorch, for those wondering, is Facebook. Facebook is all, all about the PyTorch and it seems like PyTorch and Pi, I think it's called PyVision, is becoming the, the most popular platform for building models and training models. So I might end up using or skilling, upskilling myself in PyTorch. We'll see. We'll see how we go in, in the coming days. I do feel a little bit lost at this point. It's a very, very big landscape. Machine learning... AI, deep learning, um, data, yeah, like like cloud cloud solutions to run all of these models, training the models either locally or on the cloud, running the models either locally or on the cloud. It's so it's so much. It's so big, and it's and it's in a way it's the next big thing in in technology. Is is this? This is it. This is the the next big movement that a lot of companies are recruiting for right now. A lot of companies are building new AI technologies or customizing their current tech stack to include AI, to include data, to include um, training deep learning models and building just more powerful products that have that are intelligent, that are far, far more intelligent than they could be if we if we didn't use this this kind of technology. And so I feel like it's it's definitely worth learning, but it's it is a massive thing. It is such an undertaking. And to to try and like become an expert in both web development programming and AI and machine learning, 
it's just it seems like too much for one person so that's why i'm 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 thinking is this too much for one person is this something that i can scrape the the shallow end of the waters and just get by with just enough to to achieve what i'm trying to do or should i hire an expert is this something where it would be it would make more sense to hire an expert to come on board and help me out with this this side of things obviously it'd be great to have an expert come on board and help me out with this side of things but i'm trying to do this myself and i'm trying to i'm trying to really push push forward with what is possible for one person to to build now using the best tools standing on the shoulders of giants so that is day 5 today i am going to keep researching keep learning and actually i'd like to talk a little bit so that's my project um spoke to my friend tarish he gave me some good advice and actually resulting from that i realized that i should talk to more people about this project and see if they can give me more advice more ideas of smarter ways to go about doing this because tarish definitely made me think in a completely different way when it comes to architecting using microservices on the cloud that kind of run the inference model for every potential device that could be streaming a video stream to that AI to get the classification. That really got me thinking. But the thing, the thing about that, which I'm wondering, if people are running this on their mobile devices, then a choppy internet connection could destroy the user experience potentially. So you're doing your handstands and you're expecting the, the app to respond um, in real time, you know, it's responding to the duration of the handstand. It's responding to, uh, you know, um, your act, your action in real time. So you're in the handstand, now you're out of the handstand. It's giving you real time feedback with sounds and and it's like a game, you know. Um, if it's running in the cloud, then it has to stream the data to the cloud, and then the cloud has to run its inference on the data and then stream that back to the device to then give the feedback to the user. And the latency there might be an issue. Not sure, don't know. And is that too much for me to build a kind of test MVP to see if the latency is gonna be a problem? This feels a little bit like that, but I wouldn't know unless I did it. So I might have to do that. Um, <laughs> either way, it'd be a very good thing to have on my resume. Um, so I'm, I'm going to talk to more people. I've, I've, I've resolved to do that, to talk to more tech people who have experience doing these kinds of things to get their opinions and advice on the project. And point number four I wanted to just touch briefly on is lifestyle. So here in, in Bali, over the last 18 months, I have had what would probably be a very flexible lifestyle for most people. And that's been really great, but the caveat to having a really flexible lifestyle is that you need more discipline. You need to be accountable. You need to have these systems of, of like personal accountability in place to enable you to, to be produ as productive as you should be. And with ultimate flexibility, when you decide your schedule and you work for yourself and uh, you can choose when you want to do things, when you want to wake up, when you want to go to bed, like 
when you want to take days off, when you want your weekends to be. It's, it, it's really tricky. And um, I'm definitely struggling with that right now as I've just implemented this, this podcast. It's, this podcast is my, is my accountability. I have to podcast every day and I have to talk about how I'm going. And I can't lie <laughs> if, you know, um, I'm hanging out too much with my friends and, and not working on my app, which is ultimately what I need to be doing to launch it in 90 days. So I'd love to hear what other people have, have done in, in this regard, um, specifically around like, if, you are, if you are self-employed, when do you, how do you break up your day for exercise? Because I've been toying with morning workouts and afternoon workouts. I always gravitate more towards doing afternoon workouts. And at the moment, I go to the gym at like 4 p.m., from four to five, and then I go and do recovery at the sauna uh, from five until 7.30, and then I get dinner and I come home and I try to squeeze in uh, an end of day work session before going to sleep at like nine, nine thirty, ten. 10. That hasn't been working super amazing because that evening work session is not the best, not the most productive, but at the same time, um, I, I mean, it's time that I can, I can be spending. So I do it anyway. So if I move the workout to the morning, then I still have that split day cause I still do recovery in the evening and it seems, it just seems more efficient to do the workout right before recovery. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still figuring these things out and they are definitely the, the main productivity quirks. Ideally, I would have, I would probably just stay in my room all the time, do everything in my room, have people bring me food and just be programming all the time <laughs> um, except for work and for exercise, which I would do in my room, ideally for maximum efficiency. And I would never talk to people uh, outside of the project and I wouldn't do the recovery either. I would skip that and just stay in my room. That to me, that's like the other end of the extreme of just being like the like the closet hacker guy who, who's just like ultimate level of productivity on coding and, and getting shit done, getting getting things built. I'd, I don't wanna I don't wanna live that life. I wanna I want a pretty balanced life. I wanna feel like I'm not working even though I'm getting a lot done. And so that is my, that's my mission for the 90 days. It's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I don't want to end the 90 days feeling burnt out. I want to end the 90 days feeling refreshed and invigorated. That's my goal. So yeah, I just wanted to throw that one in there at the end. Thanks for listening. It's day five. I'll catch you in the next one.